I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the latest installment of Eurosport's Full Throttle Bikes podcast. We're coming to you this week from the historic surroundings of the beautiful Castellaccio Park at the Autodromo de Enzo Edino Ferrari at Imola in Italy. How about that then? Never mind a Ducati double here at Imola this time. It's Kawasaki again and it's Jonathan Ray, just as it was in 2015. It's been great to have James Hayden with us this weekend. He's with us now as well. James, what a great weekend. Oh, been fantastic racing. Lovely to come back to Imola. You know, it's just, just reaps of... Uh, of history, fantastic racing, and it's just the crowd, the experience, the weather, the food, brilliant. Nice red wine as well, as we talked about at Alton Park. <laughs> we did have a bit, didn't we, actually, to be fair? Just a little bit. Yeah, quite right. Why not? When in Rome. Absolutely. We're not in Rome, though, are we? We're in Imola. But, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, anyway, we're looking out the window. The sun is still shining, and we've just been down into the paddock, haven't we, to record some stuff. It's boiling down there now. Yeah, it is. I mean, we were sporting our little air-conditioned... Uh, commentary box yeah. but um, very very hot out there and obviously that plays a part for all the riders and the racers and fans I suppose to look back on the weekend we need to think about how we were feeling coming into it what did you honestly expect to happen this weekend well Chaz has had such a good record around here the last few years four wins on the bounce and it just you just felt that it you know coming in I thought you know he's going to be hard to beat around here on the flip side of that you know Johnny Ray once we've got into practice and started watching him, you thought, I'm not sure anyone could beat him around here because he just looks so good, so committed. And um, and his pace from out the box was just stunning. Everyone else always hangs around at the end of the pit lane. Well, they don't hang around, but they wait there a few seconds before the pit lane opens and the green light comes on. And all of a sudden he creeps up the side. I think he did it in every single session and he's done it before. He's got that plan. He shoots out and the confidence, I mean... It is almost unbelievable. That is what you're talking, the confidence and feel. And I've never known a top rider and a car world champion to, to lead out every single session. Mm. Most of them are a bit cagey. They don't want people to follow them. You know, whereas Johnny Ray goes out in front, but he goes off like a scalded cat and, and nobody can stay with him because, <laughs> and his, you know, his opening lap would be a, a just, you know, a half a second outside the lap record. And the only other person that I can possibly compare to that was Casey Stoner. You know, he would come out and just go like the clappers. And he wouldn't go out in front, but he would come out and just be able to do two, three laps and be on lap record yeah, pace. Yeah. Whereas, um, whereas Johnny does the same thing. He does great groups of laps. He works hard. He comes in. And he, being on such close hand to watch every little thing he does and all his little nuances this weekend, it really just shows you 
what a great champion he is and, and how hard he is to beat with that package when he works so hard, when he's so committed, when he's got so much feel, so much confidence and when he rides just so brilliantly. His teammate Tom Sykes had a decent weekend, didn't he? Really good second place in race one, good third place as well in race two, but no one can get near Jonathan right now. No, I mean, he just doesn't have an answer for Jonathan. It's, you know, it has to be said. I mean, I thought he did brilliantly this weekend and, you know, he was um, battled through. He looked, he did some really good times as well. And, you know, he looked like he was going to be on the podium in both races, as we thought. Um, and I, I was very impressed with him, but he can't, he can't get near, can't get near Johnny really. Just very quickly before I forget, we had a good conversation in practice, didn't we, on Friday about what might have been biting through a cable up at the top of the track. There was a rabbit. Somebody suggested a chipmunk. Uh, we never got the answer, did we? No, we didn't. And uh, just because I think it's much more likely that they were pulling your leg then. <laughs> just thought that we'd close that issue off and, and not mention it ever again. Uh, what else is after this weekend? Ducati. Ducati. Charles Davis. Two perfect scores the last couple of years here. Pole position, two wins and two fastest laps in 2016 and 17. And it's all sort of turned on its head now. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the problem is he had a little mistake in, in qualifying in Super Bowl. He had a crash. That put him on the back foot. Then he didn't have a great mm. start. So that put him back again. And, and you can't give Johnny that sort of advantage because he... You know, he's doing a whole race within half a second. And, you know, every lap, ding, 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 you know, bangs him out like a metronome and you can't give him that sort of break. So he's gone. That was the first race. The second race, you know, we looked like Chaz might be working quite well there out in front in pole. But Johnny was so ruthless coming through, you know, Jonathan Ray, that he kind of, he just, he was... He got through before they knew it, and then he could get with Ray, and then he could get with Chaz, rather. And they had some good dice in, we saw some good stuff. But ultimately, when he went through, he then put in the fastest lap of the race, he then put in his best sectors, and he immediately broke him, and he, psychologically as well. And then the next lap was even quicker again, and suddenly he had over second, and then he did what he does best, and he did what he's been doing all practice, all qualifying, and he just got into his groove, and bang, he was gone. Yeah, he really was, wasn't he? Well, he's got a new record for doubles, 17 career doubles. He's equaled Carl Fogarty on 59 wins and he spoke with our very own Charlie Hiscott just after race two here this afternoon. Jonathan, my old mate Steve Boo said to me last weekend that watching you on the bike is a sight to behold and I think he meant about what you've just done. Yeah, this, this, this weekend has been really good. We arrived from the Bruno test with good data and we changed the bike completely. We were a little bit nervous because Bruno was real fast and flowing. My race uh, simulation there was incredible. But here in a stop and go circuit, it worked as well. So we didn't touch the bike so much. We made a small change from yesterday in the front of the bike um, with the spring rate and preload side. And it just gave me that little bit more confidence at the end of the race to push. And um, what can I say? I can't believe it. My, thanks to all my team, they've been working amazing. Let's just quickly talk about history. Uh, you've just become the first person to do 17 double-doubles and you look like you're on for the record at Donington as well. Um, well, with this year, we've got to take things race by race. I mean, last year we were really on the back foot, like Aragon, um, and we were strong there this year. We were really strong in Thailand last year and we were weaker there this year. So it just, um, we have to take weekend at, weekend at a time and try to do the best we can every single weekend. But it's... Uh, it's incredible, you know, to equal um, Carl's win tally is... If you'd have told me this when I was 10 years old, I would never believe you, so so happy. That last race was amazing. Yep, thank you.
But there you go. I mean, unbelievable stuff for Jonathan Ray. Right, who else then, James? Yamaha, quickly. Difficult weekend for Yamaha um, and sort of just compounded by what happened with Vandermark and Melandri today. Well, they said they, they have always said this is one of their bogey tracks. You know, yeah. They feel the stop-start of the chicanes doesn't suit their machine. Whether or not you go with that, that's that's what they feel. And because of that, I think Vandermark did very well in the first one. He was fifth or sixth. Yeah. Um, and not that far off the win and dicing there, thereabouts. So they were really happy that it was a big step forward. Lowe's had obviously put himself on the back foot with a crashing qualifying that he never really recovered from. And the first race, I think he might have ran off as well and then come back through. Mm, so, yeah. you know, he was eighth or ninth. Um, you know, he'd have been disappointed with that. The second one, you know, Van der Mark looked to be a bit a bit faster again and looked like he might be dicing for that podium and, and obviously just got in a bit at hot racing incident. Unfortunately, he took out Melandry, both of whom were okay. It's damaged their championship a little bit, but um, yeah, that was a shame for him because it looked like they made some big positive steps forward. And Lowe's, again, I think made a mistake and ran off and had to come through, but came back yeah. through to sort of maybe seventh. So, um, so not, yeah, it's not like a wow, amazing weekend, but it was um, it wasn't the end of the world either. Yeah, it was a great ride, actually, from Vandermark, wasn't it, on Saturday? It was nice to see him go and apologise to Melandry. He didn't mean to do that. He actually felt a bit guilty, Michael. He said, yeah. I, I, you know, I was using Melandry's pace and toe to come through with him and then I ended up wiping him out by accident. And he's, you know, he's an aggressive rider, but he's not a dirty rider. And no. It's not something you see from him. And it was a, it was a racing incident. And you have to just take those on the chin. It's, it's hard when you're being part of that at the wrong end. But equally, he stood up as a man. He apologised to to um to Marco, you know, in the gravel trap and then he apologised to the team and that's all you can do. They accepted it because it's not something that happens a lot and actually it's a really nice bloke. Yeah, he is. A pretty over there or thereabouts. I thought Savadori had a really good qualifying. Eugene Laverty, I guess he's still feeling a little bit the effects of that pelvic injury, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's not a million miles off. They just seem to be missing a little something. You know, Savadori, again, what was he, sixth or seventh in, yeah. the, in the first one, top of Prilia, um, probably within 15 seconds of the win. So, again, you know, a good solid ride, some big names behind him. The second one, he looked to be going a, a bit quicker again, but unfortunately lost his, lost the front um, at the last part of the lap. And, you know, that happens, he's pushing on. So they still have a little bit of work to do on that bike. Laverty, Nasty injury, first one back, doesn't want any mistakes, doesn't want a big crash, didn't put it, you know, didn't go wrong a bit, got a bit bullied in the race yesterday, got pushed out, probably lost three, four places, you know, that you felt he could have, you know, he could have done with and uh, and he wasn't really able to respond. But um, I'm sure, you know, a little break now and um, a couple of weeks at Donington will be even stronger. Leon Camia tried to ride, did a couple of practice sessions, couldn't. Jason Halloran comes in, amazing effort. What he did in practice, the two short practice sessions he had, and then Super Pole. And then, I mean, what is it? A cursed Fireblade? I, I, I listen, he was just really unlucky, but it was an odd crash. Um, yeah, it was a real high side late on, and you'd have kind of hoped the electronics would have um, mm. would have saved that. Maybe that was something to do with coming off a, a BSB bike and not, or whatever. I'm not exactly sure. You know, we haven't managed to, to find out too much more than that. The worst thing was it. Um, you know, the peg went in, broke his ankle inside, outside. You know, and pierced it. So that's a, a nasty injury, and he didn't deserve that after such a good effort. No. He was up against it, kept his head out, qualified Jake Gagne, which I thought was incredibly impressive. And, um, and showed his class and showed the calibre of BSB as well. Yeah, it did indeed. He was actually stuck, if you see the replay, we saw it in our show on Sunday. He was stuck under the bike, in the gravel, bouncing along at quite some speed. It was a horrible thing to watch. Well, Michael Rubin-Rinaldi, though, on the other hand, what a great weekend for him. He needs to 
learn a bit more about tyre saving, doesn't he? But we can't be too hard on the guy. I mean, he's doing brilliantly. I think he's doing absolutely brilliantly. Obviously, one here in Superstock um, is a track he knows and likes. And, you know, he did um, he did a good job. But, um, and, and yes, you can't be too hard on him. He's, you know, he's showed he's got the pace. He's got, the, he's got some serious skills. And, you know, he's going to learn to... To, to ride on used tyres better. He's going to learn to how you change in the, in the back of the race. And it's one thing to be a test rider. It's another thing in racing. And as he said, what's this, his third ever mm. superbike race. So to yeah. be popping in the top six is incredibly impressive. And, and he was in the lead, wasn't he, for a yeah, while at the yeah. start of race two. And, um, and he looks good on the bike. He looks like a clever, sensible rider. And, you know, I think he's got a bright future. Talking of riders with bright futures and clever and sensible riders, here's Rider of the Weekend. So James Hayden, it's been an absolute pleasure to be with you here this weekend. What about your Rider of the Weekend, though? It can be from any of the classes. We've had some amazing performances. We need to talk about Anna Carrasco, of course, in the 300s. Matteo Ferrari, a wildcard, won in Superstock 1000. Jill Cluzel, another win in the 600s. And then, of course, Jonathan Ray. Or do you want to go for someone else completely? I mean, it's a it's a real toughie this weekend. And um, I mean, Anna Carrasco, yeah, I think has been superb. And you know, whether you were talking whether that had been a, a boy or a girl, you'd yeah. still be gushing about them with the job that they'd done because to qualify in the way she did to use her head when everyone was falling over themselves and find some clear track and, and put in a, a lap time that was 0.9 of a second quicker than anybody else was in a, in a class that's meant to be quite tight was a, a stunning achievement. Then to go out and win by 13, 14 seconds, yeah, again, in such a tight class was, was stunning. She led from the start. She nailed every bit where you could have done. You know, she absolutely nailed it and got a perfect start, got out in front and, and did it. So, she is right up there, and it's it's a real toughie whether to go for, and actually the second ever woman, well, the first woman to win a world championship event, now the first to win two, the first woman to put it on pole, um, and the first woman to lead a world championship. So we, we hmm. I mean, I, I feel in many ways that she should get it for that. Uh, on the flip side, Johnny Ray, under a lot of pressure from, you know, Chaz and Ducati and Imola and, and coming here and, but I just watched him, I haven't watched him so closely in every session for a long while. You know, obviously I've watched him on race day and watched him in qualifying, but to study every moment he's done, to watch every time he leaves the pits, to look at him and just analyse him so closely. He has impressed me so much this weekend. You know, two fastest laps, pole position, two wins, to come from ninth, to come all the way through. And the way he's done it, the scalpel sharpness, you've not seen him make a mistake. He has hit every line, every lap, and just been just so cutthroat, but also so poised to just, he's so elegant in such an aggressive way. And that is is a real consummate skill. And, and, it's very hard to, you know, even with the job Anna's done, you think, well, you know, it's one thing to do it in a 300 class. It's quite another to yeah. do it in the, in the finest, sharpest bit of the whole paddock, in the hardest class, around a track that's dangerous, bumpy, dodgy, and to make it look so easy. But yet you analyse and watch what he's doing, and he is absolutely on the limit and dancing on a fine line. And and so it's kind of, they're my, they're my two because... You know, and I think that the thing with Johnny, you know, that he'll be winning that again, and you'll be doing, you'll have other weekends yeah. like that. Whereas I think that I, I, I mean, I, 
Can I do joint? Can they both be winners? If you wish, why not? Right, that's what I want to do then because I think they both deserve it in their own ways and I could not, I don't think I can leave Anna out of it for the stunning job she's done but I don't think I can overlook Johnny either so for me, it's Jonathan Ray and Anna Carrasco. That's a bit of history made there as well. Two riders of the weekend, and I don't blame you for that one, James. Let's talk very quickly about the rider market. Here's an interview Charlie did earlier on this afternoon with a man who is a rider manager. He's the manager of Alex Lowe's. It's Neil Hodgson, 2003 World Superbike champion. What's going on at the moment then? I know you've been ferreting around this weekend, finding out what's going on. What have you learned? Ferreting around? Well, well. What do you mean, what have I learned? About... Are you going to disprove all my theories about silly season? Yeah, it does, it's... We were hoping it was going to be really silly, but what? I don't know. I mean, there's nothing. No one signed anything yet, but there's no exciting vibes. All, all I'm hearing is, and it's all paddock rumours, by the way. Nothing official, but I think Johnny's going to stay at Kawasaki, which would make sense. You watch a race like that. I can't believe how that bite works. I don't know how you can go into a corner tighter, carry less corner speed, and somehow come out of the corner faster. But that Kawasaki just works beautifully, doesn't it? So, and I think Chaz is going to stay at Ducati, really, unless there's any. Well, I. I don't think there's going to be any big surprises. Can you just tell me something about Jonathan Ray? I know you're a good friend of his, right? And we know that bike is good, but Tom is also on the same bike. But can you just tell us how good Jonathan is on that bike? Incredible. I mean, incredible. Think about this. When I was watching the race, I was talking to everybody, or anyone who would listen to me. I'm going, when was the last time you saw him lose the front and get it back? You don't. When was the last time you saw him right out the seat? You don't. He's got such a feel and understanding of that motorcycle and the, the two just work well well together. But he's got great race craft. He's like really aggressive when he needs to be. Then he's calm when he needs to be. I mean, that's why he's going to be four times world champion and the best world superbike rider we've ever seen. Not the most exciting first race, but a really good second one. Um, how do you think Donington's going to pan out? Do you think have Jonathan away at the front again? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tom loves that track. It's the Tom Sykes track, isn't it, really, normally, Donington. I think Donington's, this track, for whatever reason, spreads them out, and it looks slightly boring where if you're not on a Ducati or a Kawasaki, you've no chance. You saw it with the, the MR boys. Alex was 15, 16 seconds off then. Michael was 19 off in the first race. But at other tracks, it's closer. So um, I think Donington is going to be closer. And hope, well, I'm hoping, I'm trying to be optimistic, but I'm hoping we can see the Yamaha boys battle for the podiums again. Just one final word. What do you make of Keaton Sofogli? Re- uh, what, retiring? Or not racing? Well, no, 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 just generally just retiring and just who he is. Yeah, I mean, he's incredible. Five times world champion. You can't take anything away from him. Uh, great ambassador for the sport. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know if this is a trick question. Can I just say, I know live TV... Your grid walks are fantastic, Charlie. You do a cracking job. It's not easy, I know. Thanks, Neil. I'll pay you later. All right, so there's a few things there, James. It sounds like Jonathan Ray is going to stay with Kawasaki. There has been a rumour floating around here about Jonathan Ray to Ducati, possible career options in the future, you know, what he might be able to do after he's raced. Um, You'd be stupid to let him go if you were Kawasaki, though. Yeah, and I think he'd be mad to go. He is, you know, he is their man. He is Mr. Kawasaki. He is... They are synonymous with each other. He is becoming the greatest superbike ever, and he's creating history for Kawasaki as well. There was many times in over the years that I can remember when you know, Kawasaki's weren't on the pace. They weren't the bike to have. They built the ZX10R and they changed it round. You know, Sykes was you know instrumental in that, and Johnny's taken over that role. And and actually, why I don't, he doesn't think he needs to prove anything on any other bike. No. Who cares? You know, did Doohan care? Um, I don't think it matters. <laughs> I think that, you know, what does he want to do? He's going to go and win a fourth, what, and then a fifth? You know, he's he's already about to break records. And I just think that when you're happy, 
There's so much to be said for happy. He's happy. He likes it. They like him. You know, he's the king of Kawasaki, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Why go anywhere else? I, I don't. I don't get it. It's just you know, lots of people would love to because they can't keep up with him. But I think he would be <laughs> yeah. mad to go, and I think Kawasaki would be mad to let him go. Do you think there's ever an argument, James, for top class races, whether it's in bike racing or car racing, to even maybe somehow get it? And I'm not suggesting this is what happened because I'm not really sure it is, but I'm just putting it out there because sometimes people suggest this that they might want to trigger a few rumours to help, you know, boost their money up with their current manufacturer. Is that fair or not? Well, I think things can come out. I think, I don't think Johnny's one of those people. I certainly no. think a lot of people over the years do use that. Yeah. But there's always rumours anyway, because he only needs to stop in the paddock and talk to a team manager. True. Just someone going, oh, how's it going, Johnny? And they all talk to each other. To be and fair. suddenly then, boom, there's a rumour start. To be all. fair, if Jonathan Ray approaches any team in this paddock, they're going to want to have him in their team, aren't they? Let's, yeah. let's be honest. Of course they are. And, um, you know, you would... I, I really believe you could put Johnny on any of those bikes and he would win the world championship. Well, there's a few other rumours around as well. Perhaps the fact that Alex Lowe's could go to Kawasaki, Tom Sykes maybe to Yamaha. We'll find out, won't we, over the rest of the year. It is a big contract year, though. Uh, star tweet time. I love that sound. Here we are then. Foggy MBE, Carl Fogarty, the man himself. Well done to my boy, Jonathan Ray, on a fantastic double win at Imola World SBK this weekend and equaling the record number of wins by some guy from back in the day. Hashtag number one. Well, yes, he has. He's equaled your 59, Foggy. And it seems good, doesn't it, that he could make it 60 at Donington. Yeah, there's a there's a lovely natural balance in the universe for that, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The British rider doing it at home at the British round would be incredible. Lovely to see Carl you know, tweeting that as well and appreciating that you know, Johnny's going to probably lift that crown off him next time out. And um, it also just goes to show what what a champion he is. You know, breaking these records that many thought might stand for for a long, long while. And um, you know, who could see this coming? And suddenly he's done three in a row when no one has. He looks like he's going to equal um, Carl's fourth at the end of this year, which no one's done, and not four in a row. Would he go for five? You know, he is. You know, he is after every single record. He's ten down on courses, hundred and thirty podiums. He's, he's, he is. You know, he's not far off being the best. And how long? eventually will his record stand well that is a very good question because if you think of Foggy's his win his 59th came in 1999 so it's taken nearly 20 years for that to be matched yeah that, that's incredible isn't it from Jonathan Ray okay that's the star tweet thank you to you Foggy I don't know whether we'll see Foggy at Donington we'll find out next time here is Tech Talk James, for Tech Talk, there's a couple of things. Um, there was a new tyre this weekend, which isn't anything major really, is it? But we can talk about that. And then this air cooling duct thing they've had on the Kawasaki. Interestingly, and it can go on any bike, by the way, but Kawasaki seems to be the only team really using it. Sykes didn't run it today. He did in the first race, but he didn't today. Jonathan Ray did. And Sykes did actually feel it might have made a difference. So it is significant. Well, any cooling on your brakes can only make... A positive difference yeah you know at the end of the day i can't see if you could run it i cannot see a possible reason why you wouldn't i wonder why they took it off then in sykes's side of the garage maybe he said thought it didn't make a difference and they only have one and johnny said what well, can i try it then I, I i don't know there but you'd think that um you know more cooling more air to help your brakes you know lower their temperature would always be a good thing especially when you've got so many stops like you have here downhill fast stuff you know a couple of 195 mile hour straight you know downhill 175 mile hour section so actually getting it pulled up was going to be helpful so you know for me you i would be putting that on straight away and all my bikes in my mm. team 
Yeah, strange one. And that tyre very quickly didn't seem to make... Yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah, I guess it's made a difference, but it wasn't a massive thing. Yeah, 200... Uh, 200 stroke 60, the 60 profile is what they normally run. They went to 200 stroke 65, and it was meant to just give a slightly bigger spread and a slightly better contact patch. It was uh, so close, even these best riders in the world, many of whom couldn't really tell the difference. And they said, actually, we need more time. So it's not night and day. It mm. doesn't really make much difference. And it is such a subtle thing. You're probably only talking about a couple of mil difference in contact patch. So it's a very, and it's on the same compound, same structure. So it is a very, very tight thing. And when people are saying, look, we couldn't quite evaluate it, then you know it's a, it's a minimal change, but it's a change nevertheless. So we might see a bit more of it. Okay, we're nearly at the end of the show. It's checkered flag time. Very quickly, we have had a few injury updates, which isn't a very nice thing to talk about, but I'm sure everyone's concerned as we look at this. It's just coming up to five o'clock here as we record this on Sunday evening. Robert Shopman, first of all, from Supersport 300. He's been transported by helicopter to the Majuri Hospital in Bologna with a pelvic injury, which is horrible to read. He was conscious. That was the incident we saw in the race when Manuel Gonzalez and he went down. Nick Kalinin, his bike went so heavily into the wall at Tamburado, concrete wall as well. Head injury for him, foot and ankle fracture, and he's been taken to hospital in Imola. So that's not good news, James. The race, apart from that, was a very good one, but it's never nice to see people getting hurt. No, it's not, and um, yeah, that's unfortunate. There was a few little tangles up and you know, some big ones into the barrier, so yeah. that that is unfortunate. And, and the one into the barrier was a very freaky accident. He kind of got pushed on at the end of the straight, which is very rare and um, unfortunately maybe a bit of an experience as well from the riders in that race you know they are youngsters they are new to it but let's just hope they're okay you know we've got great medical facilities here and uh, unfortunately you know it does happen in racing there were a lot of quick riders coming through weren't there because of the qualifying situation all loads of penalties were given out let's just very quickly talk about that we've talked about it a lot in the commentary um what would you be saying to your rider if you were a team manager and that super uh, super sport 300 sessions going on what would you be doing? Would you be putting the pit board out and calling them in and sending them back out and clear track? Absolutely, 100%. I think some of the team, man team managers are to blame for that because I just wouldn't have even had it for one second. I'd just pull them straight in, get in, let them go. You've got Everyone's got a TV screen that shows exactly where everyone is on the track. And uh, there was no point. Some guys struggle to do it on their own. And, uh, you know, I was never one of those. But you do get people who find they have to have a toe. But, mm. you know, you should learn to do your fast laps on your own anyway because you don't know how to do it. You know, how can you be doing it if you're out in front in a race? So you've got to learn that. And, and um, it did seem very, very odd. And it just seemed like a really stupid thing to thing to do. And uh, well, the penalties proved that. Yeah, absolutely ludicrous that was. Uh, sorry for that noise you might have heard a second ago, everyone. That was the helicopter taking off. The helipad's just behind our commentary box here in the Ayrton Senna grandstand opposite the Decra Tower at the end of the start-finish trade. Quick summary then of the weekend, James. Uh, what's the thoughts going to Donington? Matteo Ferrari did a really good job, didn't he, in Stock 1000, winning as a wild card. That was good to see. Yeah, it was fantastic. Really nicely prepared to Catty, and, uh, you know, he did a great job to come through. He was quite lucky. There wasn't another few corners, though, because Tamburini rode the wheels off it to come yeah. through to 13th. You know, he was 5.2 seconds back with four laps to go, and he came through to finish just a few tenths of a second behind him. So that was a that was a really strong ride. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we enjoyed it, didn't we? It was a, it was um, it was good, and Sheeb as well. You know, the Chilean rider. Nice to see him have a good strong ride. So yeah, good stuff all around. But uh, yeah, well done, Ferrari. 
It, yeah, Ferrari winning at the Altadroma of Enzo and in, uh, Dino Ferrari, as we said, but on a Ducati, just to confuse us. Luca Mayas did a great job, didn't he, to get his bike back in practice and then to put it on pole. And then a really rare error from him and from Caracasudo, both throwing away the lead in the 600s. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, he, he again, I think he, he just made those last few corners. He'd mm. seen his pit board, seen he had one and a half and probably backed off a bit, but just pushed a little too much. Easy to do there, that little left hand at the bottom of the hill. And we've seen it quite a few times here today. You know, he's in good company. That cost him, but he picked it up and he's a little bulldoggy as he, you know, busied himself back through to, to, to eighth. Um, and um, obviously, Jules Guzel, you know, he kept his head and he didn't make any mistakes. He was aggressive. He was late. You know, we talk about what a busy little aggressive rider he is. And um, he's exciting and he did really well to, to keep that position as well and, and take that win. Well, thanks for following our coverage with us this weekend on Eurosport and the Eurosport player. What are you up to now, Hayden? The next few weeks is a big uh, break in BSB, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I'm um, I'm actually, because I'm kind of not doing quite so much this year, spending a bit more time with my young family and, and my wife and stuff. So we're kind of, um, so I'm not doing anything now till, till late July and not, not kill. So I'll be watching you guys on the telly out while I'm playing with my kids. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I bet you are. Is Joe happy enough with that, though, having you at home for so much now? No, I mean, she's looking forward to it. She can't wait. <laughs> yeah, only kidding. Yeah, that's going to be lovely. Thanks very much, James. It's been a real pleasure this weekend. Uh, regards, of course, to James Whittam as well. We should just say a very quick hello to James. Absolutely. Yeah, James, you know, obviously, we were just keeping his uh, chair warm for a second. Um, yeah. You know, what a brilliant job James does. You know, and we, uh, we all love him lots here. And, um, you know, we wish him the best and we can't wait to see him back. Yeah, James, you're an absolute legend. And also, I'd just like to say a special thank you to Charlie Hiscott, who got that exclusive for British Eurosport. We yes. were the first broadcaster. I know this sounds a bit boastful and arrogant, but we were the only people, I think, at the whole of Imola to know that Keenan Safoglu wasn't going to start the race today. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a brilliant scoop there from Charlie. He always does a, a great job and asks those penetrating uh, mm-hmm. questions. So, yeah, it was good. And, and actually, we need to just say also, Keenan Safoglu, what a career he's had. The five-time champ, bowing out in a way that he was in charge of he was happy with with a body that's all in one piece to go on for a new chapter of his life 33 years old with a young family and stuff brilliant well done Keenan yeah I echo that sentiment as well there James it's hashtag thank you Keenan so thanks very much and I think it's only fair actually that we just have Keenan Safoglu talk us out this is what he said on the podium we'll be back with the podcast next week and then one at Donington but there'll be a special edition next week but thanks very much James thanks to Charlie thanks to everyone else to Matt Shaky, and of course Josh Brooks in the studio James, see you soon, and we will see you for the podcast, or at least you'll hear us, unfortunately, next week. Here's Keenan Safoglu. It's a really special time for us, and everybody really excited, and everybody wanted to see me on the race, but today is a mother day. I promise my mother I will not start the race, and I was here enjoying, and we did a really nice weekend. I need to say thanks, everyone, again so much. I had a very nice career, but time for me is over, but when I leave... I am, I am leaving in the paddock some young riders which will continue fighting, will continue for, for Turkey. We will be around. Thank you very much. See you next time. Thank you very much. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.